You are listening to episode 14 of the EU Startups Podcast. Today with Joseph Vollmeier, whose company Limehome turns commercial spaces into stylish apart hotels and lists them on the Limehome platform. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the EU Startups Podcast. Today we're joined by Joseph Vollmeier, the co-founder and CEO of the Munich-based hospitality startup Limehome. Founded in 2018, Limehome already secured about 36 million in funding and was recently featured by us as one of 10 exceptionally promising German startups to watch in 2021. Josef, thank you very much for being a guest uh, on this edition of the EU Startups Podcast. Um, I was wondering, if the Four Seasons Hotel Group and Airbnb had a baby, would it be fair to say that this is Limehome? Um, yes, I would, I would agree to a certain level. Uh, however, I'm still missing the operating system, let's say the Windows or the Microsoft uh, among the parents, because I think one of our biggest strength in the end is like the tech enabled very lean operations so this is to my point of view missing and and last but not least i think four season is maybe a bit too uh, much in the luxury segment for us um if i could choose a daddy um it would most probably be something like best western motel one or Merkur mm -hmm. hotel but in the end yes i think our product is a high quality design apartment with a consistent hotel like standard Uh, and therefore, I think it fits fits quite well. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you briefly mentioned uh, the operating system um, of Limehome. Can you explain that a bit further, like the technical aspect um, behind yeah. the platform? Yeah, that's <laughs> that's a good question. So I think from the outset, it looks it looks rather easy, I would say, because um, if you think about uh, like a digital uh, customer journey, starting from booking to basically allocating a room uh, to a certain, let's say, room category, making sure that the payment arrived, the check-in and invoicing. This is, I would say, not rocket science, although a lot of hotels are already struggling with it. But I, I think it's less the technical aspect. It's, it's more the integration into their uh, daily operations. I think the most complex part there is rather everything that happens in the back end, which starts from um, developing a price algorithm, connecting payment providers, being very smart in um, deciding for the right locations, and also for us, making sure that a 24-hour customer success team is able to have all the information a guest might have. Mm -hmm. It could be, I would like to have a baby bed, I'm actually like, coming with two more people, um, to have all these uh, information within like one or two seconds available. So we actually built a whole backend system, which enables our customer success team. We have built a property management system awesome. to be able to manage all the reservations. And we built the customer journey, mm -hmm. which is actually, I think, the easiest part. Mm -hmm. And did the Limehome founding team have some previous experience uh, in the hotel or real estate business? Or how did you come up with the idea? 
Yeah, in, indeed. Uh, we we started Limehome when we were still, or we thought about Limehome when we were still working at McKinsey mm -hmm. as management consultants. And um, therefore, we did not really have an experience uh, in operating hotels, but uh, we spent uh, numerous nights in, in leading hotels across the world. I think, like, within the five years uh, as a consultant, I think I spent more than 500 nights. Mm -hmm. um, and this... I think helped us a lot to to understand how the processes work, uh, but also with the lack of operation experience to to keep a very fresh perspective mm -hmm. on on the operations. Mm -hmm. However, like like me personally, I had some experience in the real estate space, um, and especially my co-founder, he was more uh, in uh, did more, had more of the experience in digitizing uh, large corporates, for instance, such as insurance companies, energy providers maybe also yeah, e-commerce players. Mm -hmm. But I think from, from our investor side, um, and we had basically from the beginning on, we had uh, quite strong investors. For instance, Picos uh, has a focus on PropTech. Um, I think Lakestar, among other industries, has a lot of experience in the travel space. Mm -hmm. And then also Holtzbrink, uh, I think is pretty familiar with, with, with operations heavy businesses, mm -hmm. like such a sender or Flixbus. So no, no specific hotel operations experience, but we brought it in um, within the broader team. And um, I actually believe that it's it's also more important to have a tech or BI experience mm -hmm. and a broader ops marketing experience than the hotel specific experience, because it's okay. actually pretty different what we're in the end doing on a daily daily business. Mm -hmm. And those service departments on the Lime Home platform, are those all um, leased um, by you or do you also own some of those apartments as a company? As of, as of today, we do not own, uh, own properties, but what mm -hmm. we typically do is we bring in the furniture um, and we also bring the digital infrastructure. So there is a certain um, investment also from our side. Um, but the current properties are all leased or we have management contracts. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it's also like, I would say, um, our um, yeah, philosophy that we actually focus on what we are best at, which is design, tech, mm -hmm. efficient operations. And um, mm -hmm. I think we can just leverage these more capital efficient with uh, lease contracts at the moment. Understood. Okay. And uh, aside of the furniture, um, what are the other benefits um, for apartment owners and project developers to choose uh, to work with Lime Home? Yeah, I think um, first, um, if you compare it to a traditional, I think, hotel player, they, I think, are pretty limited in, in terms of what kind of properties they are able to operate. So like mm -hmm. the typical hotel, they need at least 100 rooms. They, they need to have them in, in A cities. Um, and, and us, basically, with our like, tech-driven, or I would rather say radically tech-driven approach, we're basically able to operate also 10 rooms at the same cost structure as, like, let's say, 100 rooms. Mm -hmm. And this opens up a huge... Uh, potential to go to B, C cities, but also to operate several properties within one city. So we can basically fish in a much broader pool of properties, which are not, let's say, 
open to the typical hotel players. Mm -hmm. I think this is this is one, and especially in B and C cities, it's it's for for real estate developers pretty tough to get reliable and and good tenants. Mm -hmm. I think a second one is we have a much higher space efficiency compared to hotels because we don't need these employee rooms, you don't need a reception and so on. Um, mm -hmm. So we basically get much more productive space out of the out of the property. Mm -hmm. If we now talk about like the much bigger market of commercial properties, including offices, including retail spaces, for instance, I think we bring a benefit in terms of long-term contracts. So we typically have a 10 years, 10 years lease contract, mm -hmm. but we also bring turnkey capabilities. So for instance, we have, to, we have developed all the technical requirements, all the standards we need. Um, we also cooperate with a construction company, which is able to basically remodel the space and do it um, rather quickly. And we also have the planning capabilities uh, and design capabilities developed in-house. So we have five architects and two construction engineers who are basically able to plan the whole property for, for a landlord. Um, mm -hmm. So we can calculate the investment case very quickly. So they basically get uh, get a very risk-free, um, yeah, let's say project um, when they decide to go climb home. Mm -hmm. Okay. So every startup founder faces challenges, right? So uh, what would you say was the biggest challenge for Limeholm uh, in those first two years? And uh, how did you overcome that challenge? It's a, it's a very good question. Um, and uh, probably like 10 different ones come to my mind. But actually, if I have to choose one, I would say it's managing the hyper growth, especially in the first 12 to 15 months. Because I think we, we really started in, in autumn 18 and, and already in March 2020, we had more than 100 people. Wow. And um, basically in March, we had to, to basically also close our office due to the first lockdown. Mm -hmm. And basically half of the employees were less than half a year or three months within the company. Mm -hmm. So um, it was quite challenging actually to, to manage the team with an entirely new structure um, with departments and department heads. Um, and also like the information flow changes a lot. And basically managing this dynamic um, in a in a lockdown phase was really really difficult and challenging for us. Mm -hmm. um, and in the end, I think you can just solve it with a lot of like time you spend talking to your employees, a lot of transparency. Uh, mm -hmm. So we decided to have a very transparent culture. Also, what happens on the funding side, what happens with our numbers. Um, like how how do our customers react to our product, um, and a lot of virtual meetings, and and as soon as it was possible, also we decided to open the office again. Mm -hmm. Of course, following all the hygiene and uh, basically regulations we had, but uh, it was really really crucial for us mm -hmm. uh, to meet the people in person again. Yeah, can imagine. Okay, so today you're operating in Germany and Austria, and uh, you recently also expanded to Spain. 
Um, mm -hmm. How is the international expansion in Spain going so far? And how do you evaluate um, which countries or cities to enter next? Yeah, also, also this is a good one. I think it's, it's, it's always a mix between purely rational and I think sometimes emotional decisions um, and also capabilities decisions. So like first actually we picked Spain and UK um, and because both markets are rather big, they justify a separate entity. Uh, for instance, uh, France and Italy would, would also justify a separate entity. Uh, but we, we had a very strong team um, on the ground already in Spain, so it, it was like a very good hiring process. Mm -hmm. And then we decided to start with Spain, um, like when actually uh, COVID came. Mm -hmm. We decided also to park the UK for the moment uh, because it's, I think, very difficult to start a new country without like being able to meet the people there. Mm -hmm. um, so this was, in the end, um, the first big decision. And um, then I think the second decision was how do you do the expansion mm -hmm. um, and what do you need to be able and to prove that you're able to grow all across Europe, I would say. Mm -hmm. And so what we what we first did is uh, basically operating Spain with a separate entity. And then we also tried the cross-border entry, um, which we, like, I would say, started in Austria already uh, to transfer it to the Netherlands. Um, so we, at the moment, already, um, like, in final negotiations um, for properties in, in the Netherlands. So this is what will come next mm -hmm. because we believe it's it's important to show that both the satellite approach but also the cross-border entry works mm -hmm. um, and in terms of our operations it's actually quite different so for spain for instance we have a separate operations team we have a separate real estate expansion team on site um, mm -hmm. tech marketing is is mainly centralized in germany for the Netherlands, basically, we, we operated entirely out of Germany. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we just want to try out both to be sure we can basically expand to any to any country in Europe. Mm -hmm. Okay. You already mentioned uh, how COVID-19 impacted your team and team dynamics a bit and how that was a challenge. Um, and I was wondering, um, did you already see like a, 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 a surge in bookings um, on Lime Home um, since um, the, the first lockdown? Or is, is uh, the, the, the business of Lime Home, Lime Home still suffering due to COVID? Yeah, I think the, the business is still suffering. Um, mm -hmm. I think we always need to differentiate between supply and demand. And I might start with, <laughs> with supply first. Um, so supply basically means for us signing new locations, new properties, and this became much easier because like larger corporates are not um, basically signing new office deals anymore. They are rather hesitant on, on this side at the moment. Uh, also new hotels actually are pausing developments. So it was, it was, it got much easier for us to, to basically secure very good locations at, at better market prices and, mm -hmm. and better terms. Uh, so this is definitely an opportunity. I think on the demand side, um, we all need to be realistic. Um, like in Germany, for instance, the demand at the moment is at 10% of uh, 
let's say January 2020 level. Mm -hmm. And it was similar in November, December. So I think all hospitality players are just suffering. Mm -hmm. um, first, because there's much less mobility, much less um, like travel out there. Mm -hmm. But um, and especially leisure travel is just forbidden at the moment. So we, we, we can't host city traveler, which for not um, like necessary travels. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think compared to the market, we're still doing, doing very, very good because a lot of hotels, they can't even operate profitably. So they are just closed. Mm -hmm. so we're able to, to gather a lot of demand. Um, and I think also our product fits, fits the situation quite well. So you have, like basically a, um, a contactless journey. Uh, you have the ability to to basically self-serve um, with a fully equipped kitchen and so on. Mm -hmm. and, and also many large corporates actually uh, changed their travel policy to boutique hotels. Mm -hmm. So I think we're relatively doing good. Um, like for instance, for the year 20, 2020, we lost around 15 to 20% of, of ref par, which is, revenue per available room mm -hmm. compared to the market, which is probably around 75%. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, COVID-19 also has accelerated uh, some trends, right? Um, and also the hotel industry uh, is um, mm -hmm. very much ready for uh, another wave of digitalization. Um, where do you see the hotel Uh, industry heading in the next few years like do you expect like a big wave of bankruptcies for example or do you think five years from now we will still see the same amount of hotels out there what, what do yeah you think? i think it's it's a bit hard to say i think we already saw quite a consolidation over the over the last years and and, and if we have a look at germany i think germany is still one of the markets um where Like for instance, the Motel One with 21,000 rooms only is basically the largest player. Uh, mm -hmm. If you compare it to Marriott with 1.1, uh, 1.2 million room, it's it's an entirely different scale. But I think, like on a high level, um, of course, this consolidation will continue, and then it depends a lot on the, I would say, um, price level and service level. So I think in the luxury segment. Um, there will not be too much of a digitization because the customer, they just expect, um, I would say, personal service and and, mm -hmm. and a quite high service level. I think in the mid-scale segment, this will change dramatically um, because customers, they got used to it. They, they see the benefits. It's just, I mean, there is no point in queuing at a reception if you can do it all up front. Um, mm -hmm. We saw the same in, in the airline industry. Um, and there's also no point in waiting for your invoice or searching for it two weeks after. So I think in a lot of solutions, um, there is a big value. Um, and this will definitely accelerate or has accelerated already. Um, and last but not least, I see in the mid to long term, I see kind of a merge between short stay, mid stay, long stay. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people, they... I mean, they live basically in a certain project phase. Yeah, you work for one year, you work for two years. People don't want to relocate with all the furniture anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and some people just work for two months and they, then they go on to the next project. So I think mm -hmm. like the the barriers between 
two nights days, two weeks days, two months day, and they become more blurry. Mm -hmm. And this obviously um, also leads to different products uh, in the hospitality market, mm -hmm. for instance, with the kitchen, with more space, with the space to relax and space to work, uh, because also the, the work environment will, will become a bit more remote uh, and a bit more flexible. Mm -hmm. Okay, so despite COVID-19, Limehome is still growing quite uh, rapidly. Um, yeah. And um, let's play like a mind game, like how far can this growth go? Like where do you see your company in five years from now in terms of market coverage um, or, or team size? Do you have some, uh, some numbers in mind there? Yeah, so um, I think when we, for instance, when we decide to go to a new city, um, mm -hmm. And in Germany, Austria, we're targeting 400 cities. Wow. We always, <laughs> which basically covers 80, 85% uh, of the total demand in Germany. Mm -hmm. We always plan to, to, to capture around 2% of the market share. Um, and the same then holds true for Spain, the same holds true for new, um, for basically the uh, new countries. And if you think it through, or if you, if you, think further um, this already makes you one of the three largest european hotel brands because the market is just insanely huge like in europe only we talk about 150 billion uh, euros and um, like thinking about what what happens in five years or what will be in five years i think we're going to be one of the largest european hotel brands um, mm -hmm. and i think most importantly also with a industry leading customer loyalty i think because of the product but also because of the possibility of our model to be everywhere to be not only in the a cities but also b and c cities um so i think this is a huge huge advantage and um yeah when it comes comes to the tech side i think we're already quite far there i think we have a very very good um operating system but i think we will further extend it and definitely will have built the leading digital operating system for I would say any kind of hospitality business, mm -hmm. uh, which also enables, um, let's say, other family hotels, other hotels mm -hmm. to plug into the brand and the platform to mm -hmm. also run their properties like a Lime Home. And um, yeah, I think last but not least, we we are already like a very margin strong, uh, profitable business. Uh, mm -hmm. Obviously, also hit a little bit during Corona in, in terms of profitability, but still doing very very well. So I think we we have the chance and the opportunity to be top of the hospitality category in terms of also profitability and reinvesting this into customer satisfaction. Exciting. Yeah, we will definitely keep following your story. Um, maybe as one of the final questions, um, we also have many young and aspiring founders uh, who are listening and who are reading um, our uh, online magazine. And you guys were able to already raise about 36 million euros in funding, if I have the correct number there. Mm -hmm. And um, can you maybe share some uh, tips and recommendations when it comes to fundraising, something that uh, you've learned along the way? Um, I think it, it, it really depends on the stage. Mm -hmm. I think there, there are certain success factors for every stage. Um, and I think if you want to raise like a larger amount of, of money i think if we're talking for instance about series series a series b mm -hmm. i think um one is obviously um you need to be able 
to build a team around you that keeps up the motivation and is able to basically scale what you did yourself in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Because like in a seed round, it's a lot about the founders, but in series A, it's, it's already a lot about the team. I think this is, is, is one point which is, which, very, which is very important. Then <laughs> secondly, um, I think these days, nothing works without a tech vision. Um, mm -hmm. in, a, in a seed, it's like some use cases which work in, in a series A, series B, it's already like, what's the vision? What's the platform thought? How can you get more out of the customer journey, more of the, the ownership of the customer? So I think this is, this is key. Um, I think a third one, obviously, is, is, is having a product which customers just like and you're able to improve over time. Mm -hmm. And you also have built certain systems which basically use the customer insights into improving your product. Um, so it's not someone sees it. You need to have like really installed processes. Mm -hmm. And um, maybe two short ones more, um, especially our business is, is I think, to a certain level capital intense in the beginning, but you mm -hmm. need to be able to show that you become equity light. Yeah. So basically finding the right corporate structure, finding the right securities for classical financing partners to be more capital, uh, sorry, equity uh, efficient and light is, is key for the investors out there. Mm -hmm. And I think last but not least, maybe a very structured fundraising process, I think is key. Um, like who are the relevant funds? It's in the end, it's, it's a lot about negotiation. It's scarcity of, um, let's say, uh, attractive investments. So you need to build up a, a certain competition among among the funds. And mm -hmm. this only works if you have the whole process under control. You know, build up a wide funnel and manage them properly is, I think, is key. Okay, makes sense. Well, thank you so much, Joseph. Um, thank you for your time. It was a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, okay. perfect. Super. Ciao.